Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 24 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm a writer, podcast host, and accountability coach. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 diabetes for about eight years now. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 61 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking with my endocrinologist, Becky Blodgett. Becky is an advanced registered nurse practitioner, certified diabetes educator, and Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner. Now, I've known Becky since I was six years old, since for most of my time at Panther Camp, she was the head nurse. Becky has been my personal endo since I was 18, and my diabetes management under her direction has been amazing. A quick reminder for everybody, if you have any questions about type 1 diabetes, please leave us a comment or send an email. Colleen at inspiredforward.com. We answer listener questions in future episodes. Jesse, you have the win of the week. Yes, I do. And I actually have two wins this week. So my first one is I just got a new speaker for recording the podcast. So woohoo. Hopefully this will be better sound quality for all y'all. And then my second one, I didn't write this one down, but my second one is I weighed myself in for the first time in two weeks, and I actually lost four pounds in two weeks. So I am totally stoked. And this is just kind of me starting like a whole new chapter of like weight loss and like body positivity with myself. So this is a pretty good start. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You kind of inspired me to do it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do- try this. So I am very happy right now. Unfortunately, you have the fail this week. So what's what's it? Yeah. So my blood sugars are a little off this week. And that's because I'm not eating my normal salad every day. I've been kind of changing things up after going through all of the elimination diet reintroduction period. So I was bringing back in some combinations and contending with some unexpected highs from different foods that I'm testing out, but that's all part of experimenting. And uh, this is kind of a side win. Happy Bob is now available on Android and I am obsessed. It has such funny commentary on on my blood sugars. They even have a Karen setting. So you know how like I want to speak to the manager. Karen is like a stereotype. They have a setting for that on Happy Bob. And I keep taking screenshots of it and sending it to my sister whose name is Karen and she loves it. It's so great. Dealing with Karens all day, it's not that fun. <laughs> like uh, actual Karens. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's our hack this week? All right. So this is my moment to basically whip y'all into shape to start taking care of your skin. Because though this is kind of a hack and not a hack all at the same time, but you should really be taking care of your skin, whether that's rubbing lotion on it or making sure that your sites are all healed up from when you were had a CGM in or had a Mio or whatever it might be. But if you don't take care of it now, it can lead to serious scarring if you don't take care of your skin. Just specifically for diabetics, just because we get a lot of needles in us and a lot of pricks and pokes. So it's really important to take care of that. Personally, I use the Aveeno Daily Moisturizer in like a little travel uh, size bottle. And then I also have the Costco size. So I just fill up my travel size when I need it. And then I carry around with me. So if like I test and like, oh, I'm noticing like something starting to peel. I just put a little lotion on it or anytime that I change out my site. But I always do this when the sores are healed, not when they're open, because that can lead to other tissue damage and germs that we don't want in our bodies. I actually never thought about moisturizing former sites. And honestly, it probably doesn't make a difference because most of my infusion sites are on my butt and (laughs) I don't care about (laughs) scars on my butt. I mean, I wear them on my stomach and my arms, so and my like thighs too. So everybody can see them if I'm wearing like a swimsuit or something, or if like you know I'm wearing a t-shirt and like all of a sudden like kids come up and I'm like, oh, what's that? And then start poking at things, but which they shouldn't be doing. But 
should probably start putting lotion on my arms then after my uh, Dexcom sites heal. So yeah, I just kind never of never thought of that. <laughs> I mean, that's what this is for, right? Exactly. All right. So for the rest of this episode, Jesse was unable to join us. So here is Becky. Hi, Becky. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Colleen. Of Quite an honor. It's kind of uh, wonderful to see you doing this. I know, because I've known you since I was six, and it's just kind of cool that you get to see me grow up and do all of this. It's a gift of life. It is one of the best gifts. All right. Give us the rundown of who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life. I'm a nurse practitioner, and I've been a nurse for 35 years, and I always knew I was going to be a nurse. So I knew I was going to be a nurse at five years old. And um, no, I was going to specialize in diabetes until my sister developed diabetes, diabetes at, she was 15 and I was 12. And so she was mentally delayed. And that was like 40 years ago. So it was before there were meters and there were, it was before there were, we had little clinic tests. We got sent home with the hospital from the hospital with little clinic tests. So she's really smart, but she's mentally delayed. So she doesn't realize she has low blood sugars. So it was very hard back then because there were no meters. So how did you guys find out that your sister had diabetes? Well, when I was, we knew she was losing weight. My mom kept taking her to the doctor and we didn't know anything about diabetes at all. And so then one night she was spending that we were spending the night of the, over at the neighbors next door. We were just having a slumber party and she peed on my back. She was on my back and she, I knew something was wrong with her. And then I went home and I told my mom, we're taking her to the hospital. She must have a urinary tract infection. And then she didn't come home for five days because she was diagnosed, but she had lost like 25 pounds. But we didn't have meters. They didn't, you know, the only person that had a meter back then, and I don't even think they had them originally when she was diagnosed, were Endo's offices had a big old Ames meter that were gigantic meters. So how did you test your blood sugar? We used these little tablets and we dropped them in test tubes. And if it was blue, they were low. And if they were over 400, it was if it was over 400, it turned orange. And how fast it turned orange, we would pay attention because then we would judge if she was really that high or not. I am so glad we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> oh, it was horrible because, you know, urine's four hours behind blood. Oh. So we would be treating her blood, blood glucose with insulin that was four hours old data. Oh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. And it was terrifying. In the day, the... Uh, it ran our whole life. It ran our every trip, every... Because she doesn't know she's having a low. She has total hypoglycemic unawareness. Wow. So, yeah. So you said you wanted, knew that you wanted to become a nurse when you were five. How... What was that like, just knowing that you always wanted to go into nursing? I don't know. I'm adopted. So Sue's not my biological sister. That I did um, not know. I was adopted into this family. Mm-hmm. But my when I found my biological family, they're all nurses. My sister's a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse from Ireland. So I don't know. Like they're all nurses. Mm-hmm. Wow, I did yeah. not know that you were adopted. Mm-hmm. Things but you learn Sue when is, you start a podcast and interview people. <laughs> yeah, Sue's a wonderful blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she is. So how do you? And manage? I, my parents were getting her ready to go into a group home, oh. teaching her, and they wanted her to have her own life. But then when she got when she was diagnosed with diabetes, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. Wow, and just kind of cut it off in the tracks. Yeah. yeah. So how do you manage Sue's diabetes so now? I use a pump, and I she was the first mentally delayed person in Washington State to get a pump. Wow. She has a sensor, and it's wonderful, and she loves it. And one of the funniest stories is she never eats anything unless she asks. Well, since she has uh, the Dexcom, she knows the colors and she knows red is low. So this is the first time I've ever seen her stand at a cupboard going, low, I'm low, what can I eat? <laughs> because she could never feel it before because she never knew. But now with the Dexcom, it's a total gift to us. Yeah, it's changed her life. Technology is 
the best thing that ever happened. The last 25 years in diabetes has been a blast. Can you talk more about the changes between the therapy solutions back then and now? Because I know it's such a huge difference from having to drop a, like a tablet into a test tube and see the color change. But now we have closed loop pumps and CGM. What is it like from your perspective as a nurse? It's so exciting. I mean, I love to hand people the keys to their life. It's the best part of my life. I remember I didn't know I was going to do diabetes, but I was the one when I was an open heart nurse, I knew the most about it. So everybody would hand me, oh, you know what to do with them. And in the ER, I was, you know what to do with them, you handle it. So it just became, I had to learn more because I was going to be the expert anyway. So then that's when I started studying more and more and became a certified diabetes educator. And so it's been a lot of changes. I think the biggest change, the mental changes that people can be free because in the olden days, when I first came in, they told us that one third of all people with diabetes were going to be, they are depressed. They are depressed people. It's just part of the disease. And that's not true. And there's so many parts, you know, all people with diabetes have hypertension. All people with diabetes have cholesterol problems. It was like, you got this label and then all these things attacked you too. And by 40, if you were diagnosed when you were 10, 30 years with diabetes, you had some complications somewhere. And Colleen, when we started camp 25 years ago, I remember going through the charts And I would think if a child had an A1C under 10, they were okay. And if it was under eight, they were amazing. Amazing. And my A1C is 5%. (laughs) Yes. I know. It's amazing now. It's crazy. And you're not having lows. No. That's the thing. That's the best part. You're not having lows. Yeah. 90% in range. Yep. And it's, that's a dream. I mean... And you're not depressed and you don't have high cholesterol and you don't have diabetes complications and you've had diabetes a long time. 25 years. Yes. I feel old. <laughs> and you're free. Yeah. And you don't really need me. I mean, you really can fly your own plane. Yeah. You know? But I, I do I do like coming to see you every three months. <laughs> and that's a really good point that you should like whoever you're working with you should love to come see them because they're to be your support person. That's really, really important. And as type 1 diabetics, our goal is to be boring diabetics for you lovely endocrinologists. And I want to say to any person that has diabetes, if you go into your provider and you dread it and you hate it, you might want to consider getting someone else because you really need somebody that when you come in, they should be motivating you And one of the biggest things I like to remind people, nobody likes to hear bad news. Nobody, right? So if your provider's coming at you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this first thing, they haven't learned the art of the deal because nobody really works that way. Most people work with, you give them positive and then this is one thing you could work on or let the the person notice what they need to work on. But I don't really have to pick at anybody because... They self-correct. People Mm self-correct. What about kids with pediatric endocrinologists that they maybe don't get along with and don't really know how to tell their parents? I think that parents need to hear this, that they should like their provider. Because if they don't like their provider, they're not going to really tell them what's going on. And it's not about diabetes anymore. We know how to get blood sugars in goal. It's about what's underneath. There's a, a whole bunch of emotional stuff that is involved or uh, just the the routine things of living life that's involved. It's not, it doesn't have to do with diabetes at all. It's just about being a person. What are your favorite and least favorite things about type one diabetes? I love giving people freedom to not need, not need someone to manage them. And I love them learning about their bodies. And my part is to know the art of the deal. So the art of the deal is to hand somebody their freedom and let them enjoy it and let them ask for it and give them what they need at that visit, not to just hear myself talk. You know, sometimes I have an agenda for you because like this time I was talking at your last visit, okay, this is how you protect yourself from 
you know, get your immune system beefed up for Corona. Of course, I have a topic that I want to talk about, but basically what that person wants to talk about is the most important thing. So I think that the most exciting part of diabetes now is how it does not have to ruin your life. And it did. It ruined people's lives. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people lose their eyes. I've seen people go into kidney failure. I have seen many, many people, type 1s, have heart attacks, strokes. I've seen many type 1s. Initially, rotten feet, that was real. That was now, I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody. It doesn't happen. So it's exciting that the complications are null and void. I mean, they don't have to happen. And I have... I have seriously an 88-year-old type 1 who's beautiful. He sure has a little retinopathy, but he's still shooting skeet and um, working on cars and doing everything. He's amazing. I have lots of people that are 75 that are great. My 65-year-olds look great. Mm -hmm. And what about your least favorite thing? It's the paperwork. It's very hard. Managing paperwork. And you know, that is the best part is if you can get that rhythm with a type one where they're just coming in every three months so that I can just slip the paperwork out. It's when I'm chasing people down, trying to get paperwork. That's hard. But other than that, it's really not hard. And I'm a primary care provider. So I'm really lucky that um, when somebody has something else go wrong, I can do the diabetes on the side so they never lose track of that. That's awesome. I like taking care of whole people. What diet have you found works best for Sue in particular to manage her blood sugars? Um, just a healthy, a healthy meal plan. Um, just like what I would eat, you know, high fiber, good carbohydrates and lean meat and healthy fat. Mm -hmm. I think that the first thing I need to find out, and this is uh, to find out if my type one has an addicted brain. So there are some people with diabetes that there's lots of people that have addicted brains. They're addicted to carbohydrates like sugar, and it has nothing to do with diabetes. It has to do with their brain. So they had an alcoholic mother or an alcoholic father, or they had a sugar addicted parent, or, you know, you'll see families that are really sugar addicted people. So that's really important when I'm making a decision about helping somebody uh, learn nutrition is to find out if they have an addicted brain. That's the first order of business. And if somebody does want to learn more about an addicted brain, I think a good read is Susan Pierce's book. It's an audio and it's, she does a susceptibility scale and it's about food addiction. And it's really carbohydrate, sugar and flour is the same thing. So she does, if I, if I think somebody has that, I'll have them listen to that audio. And then I'll say, if it speaks to you, you come back and we'll talk about more about it. Very good. But I want people happy with what they eat. Food's joy. Food's not supposed to be hell. In the olden days, it was hell. Restriction, eat now. You're not even hungry. It's so fun because you can eat when you're hungry. Yeah. And if I found through experimentation that if I eat like anything with high sugar, like a, a donut or something, my blood sugar is immediately high. Mm -hmm. I can smell sugar when I walk past the break room. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good smell anymore. But you know people that have addicted brains. Oh, yeah. You know? It's all the people who can't imagine ever possibly giving up carbs or sugar or stuff yeah. like that. But those resistant starches, you know, I just can't say enough about gut health. This is a really important fact for type 1s to understand is all autoimmune begins in the gut. So having healthy guts keeps you from getting a soul sister to type one, which is thyroid or another autoimmune. So we know when I was first a nurse, the amazing thing was they told us that we don't know why autoimmune happens. And that's not true. You have to have a pedigree, leaky gut, your immune system gets triggered, and then your body kind of reacts to the, like re kills off the, the beta cells in the pancreas or takes the thyroid cells out. So it's measured with a GAD antibody for type ones. And for a thyroid, it's the TPO. And there's other, there's other antibodies that they can measure. But 
it's really fun now because I can really help people not get another autoimmune. That's good. It's funny you mentioned pedigree because uh, I recently found out that my dad's line was like my dad's side of the family. Basically, everybody has an autoimmune and none of them are the same. So I was oh, the yeah. first with, with type 1. My aunt has lupus. Another a cousin has a, a reproductive autoimmune. So it, it's all different. But we all have autoimmune and I just was the lucky one with type 1. Yep. And we are so far. That's why I love I love what I do now because I can explain all of that. But resistant starches are very important, people, because that is what the bugs grow on in your gut to keep your gut healthy. Good bugs are really important because they decrease inflammation. So for people who don't know, what is resistant starch? Um, resistant starches are like yams and jicama and papaya and there's lots of resistant starches. You can look them up online, you know, but they're the ones that don't raise your blood sugar like white rice. So we should, we should be eating those or staying away resistant from those? Resistant starches are good you, and you don't need a lot. 15 or 30 grams, you know, a half a cup to a cup of resistant starch. So lots what I'm hearing vegetables. you say is that I can make jicama potato chips in the dehydrator and I'll be good. Those are good for you. <laughs> jicama is very good for you. Resistant starches are good for your gut bacteria. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. So something we ask all of our guests is, what does burnout mean to you? And do you have any advice for diabetics who are feeling burnt out? Well, the first thing I want to say, burnout is not always about your diabetes. And I always know when somebody is burnout because they're not paying attention to their postprandials. That's the first thing. When I look at a download and I see their blood sugars are going just crazy after they eat. It's they've lost their momentum. And I don't say anything. I just kind of let them talk, you know, ask them how they are and what's going on. I think I don't talk about their diabetes as much as I talk about how they're feeling. So I do a multiple system questionnaire when people come in and it's kind of a big review of systems. So I can kind of think and link what's going on for the person. and. I think that if you have an endo that's not kind of one knowing you as a human being and as a person, that's a big blues clue. You probably want to find somebody else because it's not about diabetes. It's about the, all the, just living life. So I think diabetes burnout comes a lot when you're stressed and you lose your postprandials, your two hour after, and your cortisol levels start flying around. And once your cortisol levels go up, then your thyroid goes down. And a lot of people don't understand that, that cortisol is related to blood sugars. And so this was my big question is why do people with diabetes have depression? Well, the reason they have depression is because when your blood sugar is going crazy, your cortisol is going crazy and your cortisol drops your thyroid and it increases your blood pressure, right? And then it takes down your sex hormones and that's what causes depression. And it has to do with neurotransmitters in your brain. So it's just a ball. It just starts like a ball. Something triggers them. And I see, see people every three months. So I can usually um, get them back on track pretty fast. What else is important to know about the role of cortisol with, with diabetes and stress? Um, cortisol is the biggest troublemaker there is. They always blamed everything on the blood sugars, but it's the cortisol and the blood sugars together. And there are genetics that some people have, and I actually have these genetics. They're called COMP-T genes. And these genetics, SNPs, won't make me more anxious, but when I get anxious, it's harder for me to calm down. And so if I have a, a high adrenaline type one, I will check, check these genetic SNPs. And once they realize that they have problems metabolizing epinephrine, and that will keep their blood sugar up longer. So sometimes it's a, a reason why I can't get them down. It's like if they get mad, they can't get off the cliff. They're ruminating. They go on and on, you know? So that's something to like, I'll pick up on somebody that, and I can usually pick up a, a comp T because that's what I am. 
they kind of, it's people that think they're ADHD because they're always busy. Their brains always kind of squirrel, but it's kind of like they get exhausted from the adrenaline. So a comp T, usually what they do is they go and go and go, and then they slide against a wall and, you know, hit a wall, slide down the wall and hide there until they kind of feel better. And then they get back up and go again. And they only know one speed. They don't rest well. Mm-hmm. So, What other hormones play a part with, with diabetes management? Leptin's a really big one. Leptin was uh, developed, you know, really found out about in 1994. So if you're food craving, like if you cannot stop obsessing, you can't just eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and keep your blood sugar stable. Then I check leptin levels on people. And leptin is, is your satiety hormone. And so if you're never not hungry, um, and the more sugar you eat, it's like that's related to leptin. So that's a big hormone if I'm trying to figure somebody out. Mm-hmm. And what that's is, an easy lab to do. It's yeah. through Quest. What about ghrelin? Ghrelin, leptin and ghrelin are buddy pal friends. They are the ones that run together. Every hormone's got a counter hormone. So leptin and ghrelin, leptin's your satiety and ghrelin's your hungry hormone. And they counterbalance. The one to know about, and I like to really tell people with diabetes about this one, is melatonin and cortisol are friends. And so they always, you have a high cortisol in the morning, it goes down at lunch, it goes down at dinner, and then it's supposed to be flat at bed. And then as soon as that cortisol gets flat, melatonin goes up. So when the melatonin goes up, then you sleep. And melatonin is more powerful than we ever knew. Melatonin is a hormone that actually helps with something called autophagy. So autophagy is when you clean your body out in the mitochondria. It's kind of the way I like to talk about autophagy is like a fruit tree that is not bearing fruit. You trim it back a lot. And then it grows great fruit next year. So if you have good melatonin levels, your body triggers a lot of autophagy. And that's why you don't want to eat at night. You want to fast for 13 hours if you can, because you know if you keep your blood sugar stable and not eat, that's just for everybody, not just people with diabetes. We know that helps keep your brain sharp and helps with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So So these hormones are fabulous. And I think that's the best part of my job is understanding all the hormones and how they're all related. I know I'm learning a lot from you about hormones. Yep. So you are a functional medicine certified practitioner. What is functional medicine and why is it important for type 1 diabetics? I love functional medicine, but I came in to study medicine with a true heart. And I think the drug companies kind of stole us. And the way that I practiced medicine for years was my job was to go in the room, label, put a label on somebody's like, say, put a label on somebody like depression. And then I had these pills to give them and then tell this person exercise, eat fruits and vegetables and take this medicine. And so now with functional medicine, there's so many other tools in the toolkit the internet has its bad sides. It kind of has a lot of bad social media, I think. But the good side was all the great scientists got together and they could really move medicine to where it needed to be moved. And functional medicine is root cause medicine. It's the why. It's just like I wanted to know why did, di- why did people with diabetes have more depression? And I figured that out. And now it, why do autoimmunes happen? And I get to find out. And now I know, and I get to help people with their guts. And we didn't have the science. Um, When I started 35 years ago, we didn't know how to heal guts. We know how to heal guts now. So So functional medicine is root cause medicine. Does functional medicine offer any insight into why type one diabetes develops? Like particularly that, that one? Oh yeah. You have to have the pedigree like I do. <laughs> you have to. There's some pedigree. And then there is a leaky gut. All disease, all autoimmune starts in the gut. Okay. Does that mean I had a leaky gut when I was two and a half? Yes, you did. Huh. And you could have it because of a head trauma. 
head, people with head traumas can get leaky gut immediately. Hmm. You can have leaky gut because you had some food sensitivity. You could have had it because you had some virus. You could have had it because you had some antibiotics given to you. I had vaccines um, just prior. There, yeah. I mean, there's something that gave you a leaky gut and then that gut leaks out things and triggers your, your immune system. And that's why Corona is an interesting thing. Coronavirus is an interesting thing because it's a different animal. It's a different, we're not sure about Corona right now about the long-term complications. So it's, it's got, it's a different, it triggers some, a lot of autoimmune. It's triggering a lot of inflammation. So functional medicine providers, it's about inflammation, looking at inflammation in the body. Is it too soon yet to say if coronavirus is causing more incidence of type 1 diabetes? Probably too soon. It's causing a lot more heart attacks. There's oh. no doubt about that. A lot more cardiovascular disease because it's inflammation of the immune system. And that's something that functional medicine really is into is the immune system. The immune so, system wasn't really taught to us in regular school. Feel people's lymph nodes when they get um, sick, you know, in their groin. That was about it. If they have lymph vessels, they're a little more sick. But but the lymph system and how it triggers disease was not understood. And now it's really exciting because we can actually use things to modulate your immune system. So speaking of boosting your immune function, if people are feeling kind of sick or under the weather, what should they take or do to help boost that immune function to avoid needing powerful drugs like prednisone? Um, one of the best ones is turmeric. And I think it's good to cook with turmeric. You know, when I first started functional medicine, I tried all this stuff and I think it tastes like dirt and I had to learn how to cook with it. And I, now I can, I do turmeric tea and I eat turmeric, but turmeric is very powerful at decreasing inflammation without taking the whole immune system down. Prednisone literally shuts the lights off the immune system so burglars can get in and, and do bad things like raise your blood sugar, like make you sick in other ways. You know, it does bad things, okay? And I do use prednisone on people when I have to do it, okay? Sometimes I just need it. But I have a lot of other things to modulate inflammation in the body and turmeric is one of the biggest ones. And another one that I really like to talk about is ginger wood. Gingerwood is amazing um, modulator of the immune system. And if you've got a bad, yucky gut for any reason, grate some ginger and steep it and drink it. Mm -hmm. And pineapple is another great modulator. Cloves, great modulator. Mm -hmm. Green tea. So you have recommended several supplements for me that I take. There's like seven of them. It seems like a lot, but could you tell our listeners why you recommended each of these? I guess we can go through them one by one. First one is fish oil. Yeah. And I'm going to say one thing about supplements. Okay. As a functional medicine provider, I don't want the supplement companies to become the next drug company. So when I use a supplement, it's to make people feel better. And then I usually take them off of it. And when they feel better, and then they know how to use that sword for the next time. The two that I usually put people on and I don't take them off, especially with type 1 diabetes, is omega-3 fish oil, because omega-3 fish oil decreases inflammation in your body. So, you know, there's omega-3, 6, and 9, and omega-3 is decreases inflammation in your body. Omega-6 increases inflammation in your body. They are to be together, but our country, cows don't eat grass, fish don't eat algae, everybody's eating corn. And so that corn has made us all omega-6 heavy. Because when you go out to eat, they're not using olive oil. They're going to use a corn oil or a soybean oil. Those are all omega-6. Okay. So soybean oils used to be omega-3, but now the way they're processed, it's not like that. So I don't recommend people using soybean oil anymore. Canola oil used to be okay too. And it's not processed correctly in, the, in our country now. So, I, so fish oil, I recommend go to your provider and tell them to do an omega-3 level on you. That's what I really recommend. And that's a free for most insurance companies. It's an omega-3 level 
by Quest Desert Soda's uh, LabCorp, and that test is paid for. Mm-hmm. So what about adrenal support? I am, I'm on that one. Adrenal support is your adrenals live on your kidneys, and they're the ones that, this is a hormone, you know, that the adrenals make cortisol. And so when people are going through stressful periods, sometimes they need extra, some adrenal support, and these are called adaptogens, and they just help your adrenals balance. And so instead of putting people on antidepressants, and I'm not saying I don't use antidepressants, I do have patients on antidepressants sometimes, but I don't need to do it as much for sure, because I can check a four-point cortisol on someone and I can see what's going on uh, with their adrenals. Mm -hmm. So that's one that I should take whenever I feel stressed out or just uh keep for now since everybody's stressed out. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you, um, usually if your adrenals, so I have two cases. I have one, uh, my sister-in-law married a guy that wasn't very nice. And so then it took a while to get out of the, get out of the divorce and everything. So she got rid of him. So she got rid of her problem. So I gave her adrenal support for two weeks and she was fine. My other friend, she loves adrenal support and she stays on it all the time. And I don't, I know why she has to stay on it because she eats horrible and she sleep. She never goes to bed on time. Her daughters think on her all the time and they tell me she doesn't take care of herself. So she is not shutting the front door. Usually if you take care of yourself, you don't need adrenal support long-term. Like I took adrenal support when I was moving my practice because I wasn't sleeping good. I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I was fatigued. I um, was obsessive thinking. And you can look up adrenal fatigue. You're just, you're not happy. And I know my adrenals are suffering when I'm not laughing because I Mm. love to laugh. So if I feel myself wake up in the morning and go, oh, I got to get out of bed. Because I usually love to get out of bed. So I know that I need some adrenal support. And you take your adrenal support in the morning. Sounds like I don't need it anymore for now then. Yeah. So my job is to teach people how to go on something and go off something, not to need it all the time. Because these supplements are very expensive. Good supplements are very expensive. And, and insurance pays for omega-3s a lot. Oh, like more, okay. more like 35% of the insurance companies are picking up omega-3s because omega-3s decrease inflammation, which lowers your cardiovascular risk. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And omega-3s are what makes your brain is omega-3. So when you get these guys that have had head injuries, these football players, they know by PET scans that these they grow their brain faster when they have higher omega-3 levels. Your lung lining is made of omega-3 and your gut lining is made of omega-3. Okay. What about thyrosin? Thyrosin is, it can be a little bit for giving your umph um, to help your thyroid kick in. If I think your thyroid's being a little sluggish, I don't measure just a TSH. A lot of endos just measure TSH. I measure a free T3, free T4, and a TSH. And the T3 is the actual one that tickles the cell. So I always want to know what somebody's free T3 is. And sometimes I use that to help with people's thyroid. What about garlic? Uh, Garlic is so good for you. Garlic, three garlic cloves is equal to like a cup of vegetables. It's very powerful and it actually helps. It's like a natural antibiotic in your gut, just like oregano. These are very powerful substances. Like I actually have like salt and pepper on my table, but I have oregano. I sprinkle oregano on lots of stuff. Because oregano can kill bad things. And garlic is good for your heart. It actually helps you not get plaques in your heart. Right. I'm keeping that one. Garlic's a good... We can just eat it. You don't have to (laughs) buy it. You can just eat garlic. You don't have to buy it. Buy fresh garlic. Yeah. I guess it's more convenient for me to to have the pills, but whatever. (laughs) The next one is True Adapt. Uh, True Adapt is your your adrenal support. Well, I have one that's adrenal support and another one that's called True Adopt. So I have two of them. You have two of them, mm-hmm. which you can wean off probably. You're doing great now. Okay. And so maybe they're both when you the move, same function. Yeah. About the same function. Yep. The next one is the thorn basic nutrients. Now that I really believe type ones 
need, especially need a good multi. And the reason why it's stressful to be a type one, um, just with the blood sugars going up and down and you need those B vitamins for your gut and you need them for your brain. And so I'm always, I'm not a big fan of not of doing B vitamins all by themselves. It's much better to do mixed Bs because it's like B6, B12, and B3 really help your neurotransmitters. And you know, the art of the deal with diabetes is keeping yourself mentally pumped. You know, when you're depressed, you don't do well with your diabetes. So you definitely want to do your B vitamins. And then I love the basic nutrient two a day by Thorne because there's no gluten, no dairy. Thorn is clean and it's got chromium, which helps with your blood glucoses. And it's got selenium and selenium is not, is depleted in all of our soil. So when you're a person with type one diabetes, you're more apt to get thyroid and selenium and zinc are incredibly important to your thyroid. Incredibly. So I'm always on guard. I always do thyroid lab on my people with type one diabetes every year because you never know when they're, uh, they could pop an antibody. So I always check their antibodies and a, a full thyroid panel once a year. I'm protecting them from thyroid basically. Cause that's one of the be- uh, number one, you know, the next, th- that's the next autoimmune. Usually I want to tell you the truth is there's thyroid is the number one drug sold in the world. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. The next supplement I take is vitamin D. Vitamin D is really related to autoimmune. Um, And the reason why this vitamin D is really super, super important to get your vitamin D levels and make sure your doctor's doing your vitamin D levels because a lot of people think I'm in the sun, it doesn't matter, but there's genetics with vitamin D. There's three genes, it's VRD genes, and you can have those mutations and think, oh, I'm fine, I'm taking a thousand milligrams of vitamin D, but this is the thing. That cell wall in your gut lining is one layer thick and water and fat go straight through the cells, okay? But the nutrients go through these little gates between the cells and those gates are made of vitamin D. And that's why vitamin D is extremely linked to autoimmune, okay? So I'll see patients with vitamin D levels of 13 It's not because they're not in the sun necessarily. It can just be that they have genetics and they have genetically low vitamin D levels. And those genetically low vitamin D levels set you up for autoimmune. So that's something insurance pays for sure. They pay for a vitamin D level once a year. And that was, that only happened two years ago. They used to have to fight with insurance companies to get vitamin D levels. It's a $200 test. So always have your, Always have your healthcare provider run a vitamin D level on you. Know your vitamin D levels. Know how much you need because some people need 5,000, some people need 2,000, some people need 10,000. But a good bench that I use, and it rings true, is I, and I heard this from a vitamin D expert about 15 years ago, and he was correct. And I follow this is six, um, a thousand units I use of vitamin D3 will raise your vitamin D level about six points. Oh, okay. So it's a really good bench. And this is the other thing I want you to know is I'm an inflammologist, functional medicine studies inflammation. When you're fighting inflammation, you're fighting um, heart disease, you're fighting cancer, you're helping run your blood sugars better. I mean, but vitamin D, all the cancer doctors want your vitamin D levels at 60. So Corona's out. You definitely want your vitamin D level at 60. You don't want your vitamin D level over 100, okay? But a nice 60, 70 is a great vitamin D level. I guess this is the first time I've ever said this, but I'm kind of looking forward to my blood work in December. (laughs) Now, the last thing that I've started taking kind of a couple times a week is the lion's mane extract, which is something you mentioned last time I visited. Can you tell us about that? Lion's Mane, I order Lion's Mane from Lifecycle. Lifecycle is a good supplement company. I pride myself on researching supplement companies and it's just not me. I, I come from the Institute of Functional Medicine. 
helps us choose different supplements based on the quality. But Lion's Mane helps you sleep. It helps you get into REM. So I know that it works because I have something called an aura ring and it tracks your REM. REM is when you're really doing a lot of autophagy in your brain. You want to have 18 to 25% of your night in REM. And REM sleep is when you're really cleaning your body out. When you use lion's mane, it helps you get into REM. What's the name of that ring you wear again? It's an aura ring. And they cost about $350. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. But this one I've had for a year and it's really been um, changed my sleep really has helped me be a better sleeper. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you talk about the importance of A1C and time and range and especially how they work together? Well, it's been really... The sensors have taught us a ton because we used to judge everybody by their A1C. It was like your label, your sticker on your head. But then when the sensors came, it changed everything because then we could really see that they were low all night long. So they were low, getting that 6.5, they were 40 most of the night. And then they were 300 during the day. So time and range is what we look at more. And I really pay attention to those two-hour post-meal blood glucoses. But if you get time and range is when you really decrease your cardiovascular risk. You're really decreasing that cortisol because you're not stimulating the cortisol. And like I talked to you about it before, the cortisol affects your blood pressure, takes down your thyroid, and uh, causes lots of havoc in your body. Do you have a story of a memorable patient, maybe a success story or what not to do that you'd like to share? One of my favorite patients that I've had through the years is a, he was, I call them stallions. They don't want to do anything. They eat sugar, their A1Cs, you know, 14.6. And then you see them lift but he was diagnosed when he was two years old and I was a new to pumps. It's 25 years ago. And he had already damaged his eyes. He was already like had retinopathy, was had bleeding eyes at 18 years old because he had had diabetes at two. He drank Coke. He drank real Cokes when I met him. And and now I've watched him uh, take off and his A1C 6.5 he is legally blind. He does not drive. He takes the shuttle and he still goes to work and he's a, a security guard and he has a beautiful family and he takes care of his family and he's amazing. He bloomed. And it was giving people control is the biggest thing. I don't do things to people. I do things with people. And my job is to give people information. But he's a beautiful story because I can't think about where he would be. He would never have had a family and all his... He's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. What advice do you have for the type 1 diabetics out there, especially the young ones? Work with somebody you love. Find a good fit. And the first thing you judge a... Like I judge a, a provider by... I never say everything that's bad first because... That's not, none of us work well that way. Even me, I'm in a mentorship program right now being mentored to be a functional medicine trainer. I presented this week and she told me everything I did right. And I listened astutely. And then she had a few suggestions for me. And I think that is a kind of person you want to work with because it makes you feel good when you go in there. And that's a good thing to say to yourself every day is what did I do right? Do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? You've mentioned that you're being uh, trained as a functional medicine coach or teacher. That's cool. Yes. Yep. That's my new thing I'm doing right now is I'm trying to raise some more functional medicine providers. So, and spread the word because functional medicine is really where autoimmune's at. That's where autoimmune patients love functional medicine providers because they get them because they get inflammation. And so of course I love to train other functional medicine providers. Awesome. And if listeners want to connect with you, where can they do that? My work email is Becky Blodgett, ARNP at gmail.com. 
If you have a question, that's just the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great talking with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It is actually a pleasure to see you all grown up and free. All right. Our question to you guys this week is, how have you noticed stress affecting your blood sugars? Have you tried any supplements you found that help with your stress? If so, give us a shout out in our DMs or send us an email and let us know. We'll do some reviews for you. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Becky Blodgett for coming on as a guest of the show. You can find Becky at beckyblodgett, A-R-N-P, at gmail.com. And if you're wondering how to spell her last name, which has confused some people, it's spelled B-L-O-D-G-E-T-T. So that's beckyblodgett, A-R-N-P, at gmail.com. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 61. That's the number 61. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode or a guest request, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. Becky has been a really amazing resource for me. She's been a coach and a mentor, and I think all type 1 diabetics should have a coach if they don't have one already. I see so many people posting in Facebook groups about their struggles with, with handling the stress of type 1. And as Becky mentioned, stress and cortisol play huge parts in our management. And with dealing with those, it's not just about the diabetes. It's about our mindsets. And I can help with a mindset piece. If you want to find out if we're a good fit, schedule a free 60-minute coaching consult at inspiredforward.com coaching. Even if we don't work together, I'm pretty sure you'll come away with some solid strategies on how to handle your stress. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on the Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send any questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. And make sure you use the code word type 1 diabetic, all one word, when you text me so I know you're from the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review since that really helps other people find us. If you have any guest requests again, please send us a message and be sure to listen in next week when we talk about setting boundaries with your parents once you're an adult with type 1 diabetes. The relationship paradigm shifts when type 1 diabetic teens turn into diabetic adults. And you may have to train your parents to stop helicoptering or trying to manage your diabetes for you. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.